0: Good People, Cool Things is a podcast featuring conversations with entrepreneurs, writers, musicians, and other creatives. Get inspired by their stories to do your own cool thing. And here's your host, Joey Held. Welcome to Good People, Cool Things. Today's guest is the founder of LMGPR, Donna Laughlin. She works with all kinds of fantastic companies in AI, automation, tech, all different. exciting areas where there's a lot of growth, a lot of interesting use cases, both existing and future ones. And we're chatting through how she got started in this business, lots of different creative moments and processes that she's had throughout her career, her Before It Happened podcast, and the fantastic reception that that podcast has received, as well as all the cool people that she's met out of it. And that's why podcasting is so great. You get to meet All of these good people doing cool things. And that's the name of the show. And if you'd like to get in touch with Good People, Cool Things, you can reach out via Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at GPCT Podcast. You can also support the show by heading on over to Amazon, Bookshop, or Barnes & Noble and buying this fella's book, Kind But Kind of Weird Short Stories on Life's Relationships. It is a delightful read, and you'll find it just as delightful as this conversation with Donna. For people who don't know who you are, can you tell us who you are? Give us your elevator pitch. But can you also let us know the type of elevator that we're riding on?
1: Oh, boy. I love that question. <laughs> um, I'm Donna Laughlin, and I you know, I am like a California girl that has traveled all around the world collecting stories. And the type of elevator I am is in a supersonic, high-performance, artificial intelligence, autonomous, and electric Elevator. And that's kind of the world that I live in because I work with a lot of technology, particularly emerging technology and innovators. And I'm all about the future and how we're going to make it better.
0: Was that always something you were interested in? Like, were you a tinkerer as a child?
1: I wasn't a tinker as much as I was probably a thinker. <laughs> um, but I, I did wander around with my father um pretty much anything uh that he was working on, whether it was, you know, at, at the at a ranch, uh his tractor, a plane, uh, a car, trains, planes, automobiles, anything that my father was, you know, a hobbyist on doing, I just kind of trailed behind. So uh, but I was always entering in science fairs and and writing papers when I couldn't create the project, but science and, 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 and space and aviation and kind of how things work have always intrigued me, but I I didn't realize until much later in life and my career, when I was a journalist, how much that played into it.
0: Do you remember a top science experiment that you made?
1: Oh yeah, many. Um, <laughs> um, probably one of the 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 ones that I, I think it's a little is a little funny is I needed to create a cell, uh, you know, for biology class, and it was in middle school, and create a, a plant a plant based cell, right? And it had to be a three dimensional model. So one of my friends and I came up with this amazing idea that we were going to get a fish aquarium, and we we're going to fill it up with with all the components. that so we use buttons, and we use other different types of found objects, to, you know, to, for the different components of the cell. And then we filled it up with green jello, and the jello melted all the way to the school on a warm summer day in in California. <laughs> and so by the time we got to school, we literally had been slimed. So that wasn't <laughs> the best execution, but I think it's like it's funny to just. Uh, I was able to give a good a, a pitch. In the class, uh, with you know, for the assignment, and I had the supporting paperwork um, that maybe the execution wasn't great, but the intent was, and talked my way through it, and still got an A on that. Uh, I also uh, created a number of of uh, planes uh, using, you know, just going to the the hobby store and getting all the not a kit, but all the the expert components of you know the 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 wood and. And shaping and learning how to use all the different um, you know, wood, wood, there were some things that were carved, but others were, you know, using the the pro tools, as I was, I'd like to say, and getting permission to, to go to the the workshop at school for my science project and 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 created some planes. And they were these were um, little little you know fossil fuel planes that could fly. And um I, I won, you know, those are the types of things I was just you know dinking around with and and sometimes they worked, sometimes they didn't. But my father was constantly taking me to um growing up in California in proximity of, of Stanford and UC Berkeley. Um, he had friends that were geologists and and archaeologists and all different types of ologists, right? <laughs> and he, I get to go out with him and get to go hang out and do stuff. And I started collecting rocks and and, uh, and, but I could tell you, I, I couldn't today. Well, maybe, um but I, I could tell you, you know, pretty much every type of rock in existence and mineral. And that was just kind of a, a geeky way to get an extra Girl Scout badge. Cause I was always a good Girl Scout, but I didn't realize that that type of process and, and thinking and challenging it would, would be conversational down the road.
0: That is very impressed. I don't know if I can name you. M- you can name me? Oh no, I don't think I can name any type of rock. Oh, oh. <laughs> I'd be oh. Very... In fact, on
1: my on my desk I have a a, a um really big quartz rock that I I think goes back my dad called me Rocky by the way because I collected <laughs> rocks. But it started when I was about 5 and so this one particular rock I was just you heard the story about the pet rock, which was mm-hmm. kind of a hippy-dippy California marketing thing. Well, this is, you know, my version of a pet rock was this this big, beautiful rock I found at Yosemite. And I remember my father saying I couldn't bring it, and it was a river rock. And But but there's thousands of them. And so I, I was managed to get him to agree that I can bring anything I put in my pocket. So it's, a, you know, about a size of a, I don't know, size of a, an iPod. And, um or iPhone now and I brought it home and then I put all kinds of beautiful gravel rock you know the kind of goes in the bottom of an aquarium and I made it beautiful it was an object of desire <laughs> <laughs> and I gave it to my father for father's day and again I'm five years old and that rock still sits on my desk it is a paperweight
0: but a beautiful paperweight and it sounds like a beautiful yeah. paperweight yeah yeah, and your your uh, plane story as well reminded me. I was trying to think of when this happened. I feel like it was maybe maybe a high school thing where it was some sort of competition, and there were you know several different both like brain and athletic type of things together, and different factors of the school would would play against each other. And I remember the final round was this wild card round, and everyone was like, "What's it going to be? What's it going to be?" And it turned out it was just make a paper plane and who could get theirs to fly the farthest. And the only rule was that it had to be made of paper. And I remember the team next to me, one of the guys was like, what if we just crumpled up a piece of paper, like really tightly and whoever has the best arm, just throw it as far as they can do. And they got like second place (laughs) because they thought outside the box, like all these other people were trying to make planes and either the throw would just go straight down or, they you know just didn't didn't get the right spin on it or anything or they just weren't good at making paper planes like me and uh, it just ended poorly for them and I was like this guy I like his creative outside the box thinking and I think I think there's good uh, appreciation you can have for for things like that and I it sounds like I mean from just looking at what you've done and and your company LMGPR it sounds like that was rooted in creative thinking and being curious about everything around you so When did you go from, I like to learn about things, to let me start my own business?
1: Well, first, I just want to respond to your paper planes, because I love paper planes, and I fly (laughs) a real plane. So I I migrated from the paper planes to the model planes to the flying (laughs) planes. You know, I started my business on a little bit of a happy accident. So I was a news reporter first. I worked for uh, Washington Post, I did an internship with, and then I worked for Reuters International, and I was international. I lived out of a knapsack and also BBC. And then I came back to the US and uh, started uh, my master's degree at UC Berkeley. And in that period, I transitioned from a news reporter into the tech world. And to be honest with you, it was, when I say a happy accident, I was always gonna be a diehard news reporter. But uh, it was either take a pink slip or be really hungry and go try something else. And so I didn't take a pink slip because it was a, a period of time when you know things were being restructured. So I migrated over to the PR department. And my first thought was, oh, those people, those are the people that make up stuff all day long. And I don't make up stuff. I'm all about the facts. And then I went over and I met the team only to find out they're all former journalists. And so I spent the next uh, kind of phase of my career doing uh, traditional tech, you know, working with you know with everything from storage to networking to internet to so many different evolutions of technology, pre digital, during the digital, and then everything else. I, I like to say, and I had the opportunity to just keep doing more IPOs and and launching companies. I realized I didn't really like the idea of just being in one company all the time. I like the diversity. And so if you go back to my rock collection, the diversity in a rock collection is very similar to my passion and my, my desire to have, you know, different stories to tell. So LMGPR um, started one, one part with just the need to wanting to constantly create and, and not just work on one type of innovation or technology. And the second was I was in the process of adopting two kids from Russia and I knew a corporate job was just not going to allow me that. And so you've heard it before. It's just like, there's no such thing as balance, but I at least wanted agility and I needed to keep my creative, you know, uh, um, valor in check. And so that ultimately is why I created my agency.
0: As someone who studied broadcast journalism as well in college, I always find this interesting. You can you can take this whichever route you want. What was your favorite story that you reported on, or your worst story?
1: Well, one of the stories that was quite awakening. Uh, I was in Israel, uh, in Haifa, and uh, with Reuters, and I was doing a, a story on the cultural intersection between uh, all the different sects. So you know, you have the orthodox and the ultra orthodox and the Baha'i and the Muslim and the Christian. And it just this this cross intersection of what you and I would never really see on the news and people were living in harmony. And that's the story I wanted to tell was that there it wasn't a religious story. It wasn't a political story. It was a human story. And so I'm on the friendly border and I had just finished having lunch with a, a, a group of Lebanese and Israeli soldiers. I'm literally breaking bread at the border having lunch having fabulous, you fabulous know, fresh apricots from the from just picked from down the road and hummus and and pita and shawarma and all this great conversation talking about their you know the things that that that, that were similar right and there were more similarities in, in human nature you know food and, and laughter are common you know just common uh, bonds and connections that people can make right and no sooner did we finish our lunch, all of a sudden the air raid siren went off, the border was shut down, and I was rushed into a bunker. And I thought, what the heck is just going on? And I realized this is not the story that I wanted to get. But what ended up happening two and a half hours later, being in this this bunker with um, a collection of people, and I to this day I don't exactly know everybody who was in there, but I do think there was some intelligence, there was um military and and both intelligence from both sides um but i i was a you know a business and economics reporter so i was put immediately put in a situation that was probably better equipped for somebody studying world politics and and um and defense but that left an impression on me of that no matter where you are in the world that you know people have just come from a general um, understanding of humanity. And so what, what started out to, you know, just being a very great experience ended up being kind of intense, but what I learned from that was just like, oh, okay. So that was just check, check that one off. Right. And the next day I think was at the local zoo during a story. So, um, other just general stories, you know, that I personally, uh, you know, find passion with was not necessarily the stories that I was reporting and covering. And, and I grew up in a publishing, journalistic family i had uncles that were journalists that had magazines and, owned, and published magazines my father owned a publishing printing company and and all the community papers and you know the the 20 some cities surrounding me the family owned right and so i was writing and reporting you know as a precocious 10 year old um, which is not a normal career path. Right. <laughs> uh, so I had access. And so sometimes I say, well, what's the difference between you and someone else? And so well, I had access. Um, but I love just people. I think people in general are, are, are interesting. And if you sit, I always say like, if you're sitting at an Edward Hopper, yes, uh, Nighthawks, you know, scene, do you know the painting Edward Hopper mm-hmm. and, and, and I see myself, visualize myself sitting there, but having the conversation with those people because none of you can just tell from the picture. And when you go and in sit into a cafe or a setting, whoever to the left or to the right probably has something interesting. And I don't know why, uh, but people have always told me things. And when I was a news reporter, I think it was one part that I looked a lot younger, but then I was. And so I was really unassuming but I was just telling somebody last night when I uh, was a reporter and working on Capitol Hill, I, I, I knew that if I waited later in the day and certain hotels had certain happy hours with certain um, congressional people and, and, and other celebritants would show up at a certain time. So I would get my best stories after hours. Because that's when people's guard is down.
0: Sure. <laughs>
1: so if it's on the foot, so the, and then I and I worked with this uh, another a person, and she constantly said, "How do you get these stories? How do you get these?" Stories? I didn't want to give her my game because she was hanging out on the footsteps of you know, uh, you know, of Congress, and she was hanging out on Capitol Hill, and I was like, "Okay, I'm going to go to Dupont Circle. I'm going to go to the other part of town. I'm going to go hang over here." So that's that's where I get my stories.
0: It's a brilliant strategy. It's like a little bit
1: of a Nancy Drew, you know, (laughs) a little bit naughty too, right?
0: (laughs) I mean, it's a fantastic strategy. And having just gone to a uh, media mixer, you're, I mean, spot on. Like everyone is more willing to chat and it's just, yeah, especially, especially nowadays. Like it's just so nice to see people in person, which hasn't been a thing for a while.
1: (laughs) Yeah, isn't it? Well, I'm looking forward to, it's been a couple of years. um, The big consumer electronics show is in Las Vegas every year, but it wasn't the last two years. And so two years I went and we were all very aware that something was happening in, in viral format. And so people were being cautious and then everything kind of shut down. So going back into that under the big top, so to speak again, With these new world rules. I think it's just something that's become the norm. And I think they, you know, everything old is new again. I still get nostalgic, like a movie. Like, I don't know what it's (laughs) like to go to a movie theater. I gotta go see the new James Bond movie. I gotta get my Daniel Craig thing on. And I was like, okay, but it's the movie theater. Like, what's that like? Have you been to the movie theater? Because I haven't. And I'm thinking, I don't know. Do I want to go to the movie theater? (laughs) I've been
0: to one and we rented out a movie theater. So it was a group of like 12 of us that we all knew, you know, what we had been up to and everything. And uh, we watched the movie free guy, which was much better than I expected it to be.
1: Well, another thing is that to me, the unfortunate part of the pandemic is that, you know, it's, it's altered a lot of people's lives in, in some ways worse than others. But We have stories, which is the good news is because everyone has a story. Everyone has a story in general, I think, but everyone seems to have a story. When San San Francisco Bay had a huge earthquake back in 89, I have a story about that. And it was quite an interesting story because I ended up, the building that I was in was rolling. It was an earthquake, you know, preventive architecture design, but, but the building literally was like swaying and rolling. And I was on a conference call with my boss, and we're talking to the CEO and, and the founder of a company. And he's talking about the his company. And also we said, We're having an earthquake here. And he's oh, it's okay, it's snowing. And I'm like, This is not the weather report. And she and I are literally underneath the desk and the building's rocking. And then he and then he commented, he goes, Are you still there? He's still there? And we pop back up because we we're on a conference phone. And we said, I think it's bigger than we even realized, and this is pre-digital. You couldn't just go check right away. Like we ended up calling a hotline, the California earthquake hotline to see what just happened. And that's when the Bay Bridge collapsed and, and a lot of things in the city c- collapsed. And And I remember driving home, so, so it was ridiculous, but I remember getting in my car and driving home thinking, oh, I'll just go to the AP- ATM. Then all of a sudden I realized, oh, wait, there's no power. <laughs> California often doesn't have power, as we know. Uh, but this was like a crisis scenario, right? But I have a story, and I think that's what COVID. I was talking to a group of college students a few weeks ago. And and I oftentimes you hear when you know you're in and you always have to pick a theme and something to talk about. So when I was in college studying journalism, I studied business. Economics—it was was like a topic. Finance and business was a helpful topic for a business. To be a business reporter, but I also love history, and and so the two combined gave me at least some repository, you know, to be able to talk about. And so with the students, I was saying, well, I want mean, you write write down three things that sparked your imagination in COVID. Like, how did you actually need to restructure, redo, or rethink something? And then think of three things that you're happy that you eliminated in your life that ultimately made you, you know, have a better lifestyle. And it was really interesting to see the the responses. So that everything from the three things that you know that that you got rid of that were fine was you know, was the, the commuting and some people got rid of their cars and other people. Uh, started just, you know, a lot of transportation reasons. People changed. Transportation was one. The other was uh, health and physical fitness was, you know, changing, having more time, not sitting in the car, doing more things. And then on the things that, that, um, the other side of things that they just, you know, um, the values, right, are, are a key thing. I think people, we realize that not everybody has has always had values in their back pocket. Uh, the same way people don't often don't have manners in their back pocket. I would say, take out your values and manners, put it in their front pocket. But I think there's a lot more empathy. And I think that, you know, if we look at the news and all the crazy happening things that were ha- in general um, and the roller coaster we were all on, I think people in general just had this human empathetic, like, okay, you know, I hear you, brother. I hear your sister. Like, and people have gone through a lot and so hopefully like you saying we went 2020 grad you know just kind of crawled by and 2021 and it flew by in my opinion and we got to start paddling upstream with 2022 like we i, I actually went to go get a, a day timer and the 2022 calendars were on sale and i like wow it's an end of the year like why are they discounting these already and then i asked the girls do you have 2023 just It's only 2021. So I had a little bit of a brain fog because I was thinking we were already in 2022 and I missed it. Is kind of how I felt. Have you felt that way?
0: I have not, but that's super interesting.
1: Right? I'm like, oh gosh, I don't want to miss that. I'm trying to reclaim part of 2021. But yeah, so I'm a little bit of a collector crab. I think with my with stories. And so on my working with my clients, I, I think. In seeing them, you know, excel and succeed and get funding and to bring products to market and not be in a situation where their products are delayed um, is, you know, is a lot of optimism and a lot of hope that some markets and some things are working really well. Um, I had a client just had an IPO. I had three others that actually got their funding. Took them a little longer, but they did it. And to me, those types of triumphs on the, on the, on the business side of things. I'm excited, but I'm also excited to hear, like, you know, the kids are going to prom and they got into college and some people are getting married and and maybe some people are getting divorced, whatever works. There's lots of options, but there's, you know, conversations of thoughtfulness of how are you doing today, Joey? How are you having you know, and somebody asked me, you know, I always think people don't genuinely answer that question. How are you? Right. It's usually like, oh, I'm fine. You're like, really? How fine are you? And then you'll find out. So um, I just think, you know, we all just need to continue to be empathetic and thoughtful going into the new year.
0: I think that segues nicely into another thing I wanted to talk about. We were we were chatting a little bit before recording and I'm realizing, I don't know if I ever actually answered your question of why I do this podcast. Um, but Largely, it's because of getting to hear people's stories and helping them share them and and tell them. I think it's super interesting to meet someone, even if I've gone into a podcast recording where I'm not at my most alert or, you know, maybe I've got, like you're saying, maybe, maybe things aren't fine. Maybe I've got like a nagging headache or there's some I got like bad. Well, I don't think I've ever really gotten like traumatizing news before hopping into the recording studio here. But Regardless, I you know, it's we're not always at a hundred percent. Um, but I've always left feeling more energized and invigorated. And sometimes I'm like, I've got thirty things to do now because I was just taking notes that whole time. <laughs> and you've got a podcast as well. And like you said, it's a labor of love. So why did you start yours?
1: It is. You know what? I was gonna write a book and books take a little bit longer. <laughs> and I really didn't want to be alone in writing a book. So I said, you know what, I'm gonna bring a couple of friends along with me on this journey. And I I sat down and I had a piece of paper and I made a long list of, you know, like story people that actually have really authentic and interesting stories that are not necessarily technologists and, and futurists, which is a big portion of the, of the people that I work with. But I also had chefs and I had artists and I had book authors and just a, a whole cornucopia of different people, and all over the world that I just thought that I knew. And then I made a list of people that I don't know that I would like to know because and not necessarily famous people, but people that are really changing the way uh, how we live or we work that I wanted to know that authentic, like that moment when they, they said, this is it. I'm going to put my back into it. I'm going to like, you know, mortgage my house, downsize my dog to a cat, I'm going to, um, you know, just take all these risks and give it my all and come out the other end and, and, and with their passion. And so my biggest challenge was not finding the content and creating the content because I'm a writer. And, and so I felt, okay, I had that now, but it, the do-it-yourself component was a part that was tripped me up. And I tried everything. I took a tutorial. Uh, I asked people, I listened to tons of blogs. I stalked other uh, blog, blog podcasters. And and I, I I bought a lot of equipment that I tried. And there's a lot of platforms that are, I thought, wow, I just must not be, not be grasping this. But then I realized that the the type of format that I wanted to do was much more of a documentary style format, which did require a narrative and some additional writing and editing. And I didn't have the tools. So I realized, Oh, it's okay to ask for help. And so I finally found the the team that I, that could help me, you know, take the journey and the thought and put it into action. But once I did that, it was really fast, but it's just finding the right team to work with.
0: Yeah, I think the the interesting thing that I've found, at least with podcasting, both in my own experience and just talking with other people, is that it's a pretty low barrier to entry to actually to do a podcast. Like, It doesn't take a lot, but to do a podcast well, I think that it, there is quite a bit of a, a leap from just kind of the rudimentary, you know, you could theoretically just record into your computer and talk off the top of your head and put it on a hosting site, and there you go, you've got a podcast. But well, m- I used
1: to have a rock collection. I now have a speaker collection because <laughs> I tried every speaker, and then I'm like, finally, it was like, okay, so I think this one's going to be the one. Uh, but I, I think there's, I mean, I personally excited when I, you know, actually when I first told people I said, oh, you're going to be another part, po- another one. One, how many podcasts do we have? And I said, well, there are a lot, uh, but there's also a lot of other. There's a lot of blogs and there's a lot of magazines and. But I just think if anyone wants to create a podcast, they should just be fearless and just follow their instincts and and give it a whirl. And, and if it doesn't work out then try, you know, another, another medium or platform. But for me, it's a little liberating because, you know, go through a process of asking uh, you know, thoughtful questions, but then taking all that content and, and research and then applying it into a narrative with my, Writer who seems to be inside my head. He really, he's gotten (laughs) in there. It's like this really weird marriage, but I like it. And then the editing process is another thing. And they and I always tell the my team, I says, well, you can't make me younger and you can't make me thinner, but you can make me look good and smart. And so they they I I really appreciate and respect what they what they uh, help me create and make it all look really magically easy. But I also have learned to respect the celebrity the celebrity podcasters that are doing this every day and going, wow, each episode is like 24 hours. And I don't I have 24 hours to do an episode every day. So that that I think I've gained more res- respect as well. It's just for those who have blazed the journey to make this their livelihood, like hats off to them
0: because it's a labor of love. Oh, it most certainly, most certainly is. Now, another question that I like, to ask and i say it's because it's less work for me but it's asking you a question you wish you were asked more frequently and i like yours what's the difference between an acorn and a unicorn and as far as i know the only difference is one you can find in a tree but i'm sure there's we can we can dig deeper than that so what's the difference Mm.
1: yeah that's just a little analogy that i came up with a few years ago acorns are young entrepreneurial spirited Companies or founders that have a vision, you know, they plant seeds, you plant, take an acorn, majestic, ultimately will become a majestic oak if you nurture and take care of it, right? And I think that every company has to go through an acorn stage of growth as individuals, we do too, as discovery and growth. Ultimately, if you continue to do that, you might become what the industry calls a unicorn. Everybody wants to be a unicorn. I'm like, what's wrong with being a galloping pony? <laughs> like be a galloping pony first and learn along the way, learn from your trials and tribulations and your mistakes. And then ultimately, you know what? Maybe you'll become a billion dollar unicorn, but not everybody makes it to that. So I think embrace the, the fact that you, if you are creative and you're making creating a podcast, or a blog or writing a book, which I eventually will do, It's like my podcast was like planning, you know, as a unicorn. I mean, an acorn is like planting the acorn, planting the seeds, developing it. And it keeps growing this nice, majestic oak. But I think it's just really the the wisdom is I have a vision board and on my vision board. I mean, my podcast is I'm a top 100. I might top 100. But my quest is I will be. And so that's the unicorn goal. Right. But right now I'm still an acorn. I'm growing. We just, you know, finished 27 episodes, and we have another 12 in the vault. And I already know that I have 50 episodes next year, and I have to be really selective. But uh, that's just, you know, my analogy of kind of how we also develop and create through life.
0: I, it's I love it. It's such a such a good analogy, and uh, makes me just think of. As a sidebar of the the squirrels, yeah, (laughs) that roam through the neighborhood, and seeing them just jump between trees is always very entertaining.
1: You know, this is funny. funny, There's (laughs) there's a squirrel on the masthead of my local paper, (laughs) and I and I have a joke, and they're everywhere. And I told one of my friends one day. He says, "Well, you know, they were here before us." (laughs) So the fact that they actually are the masthead, there's no. I had a friend that actually was doing a a relocation program. Would. Trap the squirrels and take them to another part of town. I'm like, you need to stop that. The squirrels, you're displacing them, their family and their ecosystem, right? Displacing their acorn. I mean, their whole life is a mess. And this one particular squirrel could she would take and it would come back. She'd take and it would come back. And I said, Oh, you have a pet now. It's beyond, you know, relocating the squirrel.
0: <laughs> yeah, that squirrel belongs. Or I guess she belongs to the squirrel now is probably even a better way to, to phrase it.
1: And she's really secretly the squirrel, the squirrel whisperer. <laughs>
0: she's a I think squirrel there's a person, story yeah.
1: there, the squirrel whisperer. <laughs> we'll
0: look forward to, to seeing that story come out. But in the meantime, you're almost off the hook, but we always like to wrap up with a top three. And you can kind of take this in whatever direction you'd like. But I think with your background, I'd be super curious to hear of your top three We'll just vaguely call it cool use cases for AI.
1: Wow. Top three for AI. You know, I fly. so I would like to see artificial intelligence more integrated into you know a, a traditional piston uh, plane. don't don't not not change the whole flight deck, but um, I do use an iPad, you know some flight things to plan flights and and whatnot. So that's pretty cool. Um, the other, I think, is you know artificial intelligence and just you know. It, I, I'm not a really big fan of like Lisa and what's her name, Alexa. Yes, yeah, <laughs> Alexa. I call her Lisa. Lisa was a, my first computer. Alexa. I'm not a very big fan of her. I don't. I don't know. Uh, in my car, I mean, um, I have Sophia, who is my 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 muse that sometimes gets it right and sometimes gets it wrong and, and give me directions. So. You know I like to travel I like to drive believe it or not in California nobody's on the road it seems so <laughs> sometimes I'll just like okay I gotta go out for a ride I gotta see and then right in the beginning of the pandemic I needed to get out and I needed to see if the ocean was still there and I needed to see you know what like did did the world just stop? Are we like living in some weird you know uh Ray Bradbury novel and, and everything just dissolved, but no driving and AI is really key. And I think the third one, I think is what I, it's not me personally, but I've, I've seen this more and more. It's just the next generation of kids and the importance of STEM education and using artificial intelligence as a mean to enhance and enable and, and advance ourselves. So whether it's in education uh, people, you know, who might have some form of of uh, immobility in, in, in and being able to see intelligence be used to people become more immobile um, for law enforcement, for making the world safer, um, for transportation, you know, for making things just, you know, I wouldn't say not just safety, but connected as well. But I think the future of artificial intelligence is probably what I'm most excited about is like, what is the next generation going to do? Robots are not going to take over our life. They might take a few jobs that none of us wanted anyway. And I work with a lot of robotics companies, and it's amazing to see how you know it can be applied. But I, I, I'm really curious what the next generation is going to be doing with AI.
0: I am too, and I think we'll be very pleased and impressed with it. But I am excited for minds that are much more creative than mine in that world to, to develop some good stuff. Well, Donna, thank you so much for hopping on the podcast and chatting through all this good stuff. If people want to learn more about you, want to learn more about LMGPR, where can they go?
1: Well, LMGPR is easy. It's LMGPR, and it stands for Leadership, Momentum, and Growth, because that's what I help businesses do, um, bringing products and, and services to market. And my podcast, Before It Happened, is on Apple, Google, Spotify, all those places, and my LinkedIn is probably where i hang out the most. So it's just Donna Laughlin and um, love to hear from anybody who has an interesting story or, you know, wants to share.
0: Fantastic. Well, thank you again, Donna, for coming on. This was delightful and uh, I got to go find an acorn now.
1: I, you know what? There's a drink called the acorn. Ooh next time
0: okay, that, yeah that might be the acorn that i find but in the meantime we always have to wrap up with a corny joke as we do what pet name did the young computer geek call his ai-based girlfriend
1: well i guess i would just steal from the movie what's that movie um her with um jessica johansson oh yes her oh. a
0: great movie joaquin phoenix i and yeah scarlett johansson and what
1: what's the answer uh,
0: the answer is his data bay uh get after it today people
1: That is funny. Well, you know what? I'm better at collecting rocks than jokes. (laughs) (laughs) That's fair. That's fair. I like it.